All right. The baddest DJ this side of town. Mixing the heat. heat Ladies and heat. gentlemen. DJ Despair. DJ Despair on the world. Fair respect, not every time him play a tune. I just the boom shock attack. Crowd them out to catch our vibes. Them unorthodox. Lesson definition of the boom shock attack. Yo, this is the original Edley Shine from the Bunch Americans representing for DJ Despair. What up, what up, what up? We have my dog, Edley Shine in the building. Yeah. Tell us your history of who you are, where you come from. All right. Well, Edley Shine originally is from Washington, D.C. My parents were born in Kingston, Jamaica. So that's where the lineage of all the Caribbean vibes and the Jamaican vibes that you get from me is from my family. Uh, growing up, you know, my father had a record store. His name is Ziga in maryland which is in the suburbs of dc he had he was one of the biggest distributors on the east coast of dancehall music back in the uh 80s up to the early 90s and just growing up going to the record store my, my uncle also owned a sound system called emperor emperor was established in washington dc in 1971 i believe and up to this day, Emperor is still one of the leading sound systems in D.C. Big up to all the other sounds and all the other sound killers who lay their claim to fame. But they know that Emperor set a certain precedence for dancehall in the DMV. So that's my lineage as far as music and coming up. I was never a street kid, but I've been around a lot of street things and I've seen the street elements, you know. At a young age, I've seen guns get pointed at me and pointed at my loved ones. I've you know, I've lived in gang neighborhoods in D.C. where, you know, you walk, you ride your bike through a certain neighborhood. You, you liable to get punched in your face and get your bike taken. You know? Oh, trust me. I grew up in neighborhoods like that, too. Yeah, it's so, different. It's different now, but back then right. it was serious business. So over the years of your career, um, you turned around. You were in a group called right. Borge Americans. Right. And you had a lot of billboard hits and a lot of stuff that you've done. Right. And then branching out, like during that time, you were writing lyrics, you were, you know, composing, like making your, like you were making music, like right. you were just getting in your feet wet and you made a lot of songs that did some numbers. Right. And now you've branched out to be a solo artist and you come out with a songs like Telephone Sex. Um, you did a lot of refixes. Right. And now a lot of people explain refixes to people in your terms refix in my terms because you got a lot of people throwing around refix now lately since it became a popular term but a refix to me the definition of it is when you take an original song and you refix it into your style and 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 what you vision the song to be so it's all it's based off covering someone's song but instead of like jumping on the the original track that they did we we grabbed the vocals and we totally reproduced the record the way we want to hear it and the way our style and djj butter who does most of the production all of the production i should say on the refixes it's dancehall hip-hop r&b that's the formula that we use when we're doing the tracks and jay butter is a radio dj he used to play on 93.9 Kiss, which is like the Hot 97 of DC. So he knows what DJs want to hear when you're doing a remix of a song. And a lot of the refixes 
that we put out get cease and desist letters from the label because what ended up happening when we service them, we send them to the DJ pools and the refixes start getting played more than the original songs and the record companies don't like that because they're like, who is these two guys? Where they come from? So that's the refix, rebuilding someone's song the way you would like to hear it. And the way I like to hear my music is a little bit of dancehall, little bit of R&B, and some roughneck DJing. That's the Refix Kings. Where was that? At the original Jamaican. Edly Shine, Yalasen. Instagram, tweets, Facebook requests. Edly Shine and Shadyville, not less. Now you're rocking with the best. Every cutie with a booty confess. Said them. In a your tight mini dress, jump on the Rockula and do your next best gossip. And this fear. You have the whole of the dub, them brethren. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I was happy during the time that we started to work together. It was just like, yeah. you fed me dubs, I put them on mixtapes. Because at that time, mixtape right. and radio was huge. And you knew, saw it, that right. the digital game was getting to its point where you could go just throw a track on. Right. And you and Butter could just come up with a whole thing and just throw it out as a mixtape. Right. I mean, I mean, the original idea, where I got it from, is just watching Little Wayne's whole run when he was had the squad up mix CDs, and he was just terrorizing. Nobody could put out a song and Little Wayne don't dive on that with 97 bars on it. So that's, that's kind of like the energy that I was doing with the Refix Kings. Also, we was watching groups like Major Lazer and remix people like calvin harrison those guys they doing edm and they doing pop and they just was taking dancehall songs taking r&b songs and first they would just remix it then they got so popular that they end up doing original productions in the same styles that they did their remix so we was trying to do the same thing but when you add dancehall to anything it, immediately the, the gates of hell just close oh trust me so, See, yeah I I remember working on this song called Rose and Coleco. We got it huge and started doing numbers. Right. And then I remember sending you this. You see, this is what I loved about working with you because you're a hardworking man. And when you put music out there, you don't like it to just sit around. Nah, never. I use this metaphor all the time. I'll be like, yo, when I release a song, it's like I'm letting one of my kids out to, to go to college. I expect them to, you know, go there, do their work, take their tests, get straight A's. And I hate when the teachers and the, and the principals and the deans of these music universities hate all my kids and don't allow my kids to be to live to their greatest potential. But that's the whole that's a whole another discussion we could get into. So you've dropped tracks like Babylon Breeze. Yeah. Explain that one to me. So Babylon Breeze. Uh, Babylon Breeze was a slang that I heard growing up. And it's basically 
a slang for a fan. Like my uncle was a Rasta, he'd be like, yo, turn up, you know, Babylon is the white man or man-made. Breeze is the air that comes from the fan. So in the song, I'm saying, I stay cool as a Babylon breeze. I'm up in my meds, smoking cheese, just up on it up. Everybody tells me, everybody that I played that song for, every industry insider, every DJ said, yo, this is the one. This is going to establish you outside of, you know, being pigeonholed in a group and make people realize that you're your own entity. And when I put it out there, the feedback from the organic level was tremendous. But when I started knocking on those industry doors, they was like, they treated me like, yeah, I'm a has-been, like, yo, it's a rap for you. I don't care. I don't care if you make the greatest song in the world with Moses and Jesus on the hook. We never playing you. They don't, they don't say it to my face, but their actions show that they don't support the artists from my era, and they want the artists from my era to die out. I see how quick they are to throw up R.I.P. and rest in peace to all the artists from the 80s and the 90s. But if they make something that connects that have the energy that's going along with what's going on today. They don't support it. They just automatically, in their psyche, tune it out. And I'll, I don't know why that is. They didn't do that to Marvin Gaye. They didn't do that to Michael Jackson. They didn't do that to Prince. But it seems something embedded in hip-hop and dancehall where it kills off its legends and its elders, and it just, and it just perpetuates the youth. And I think it's because the youth are more exploitable to the, the powers that be. That's why they always project in the youth and kill off the older artists that know that know too much. Facts. Facts. And then you see, that's why in this game, I've noticed that you've a man who stands on his own. You do, right. you got your own crew, you got your own video team, you got your own stuff. Like even this track right here, like, you know, Big Man Tings. Yeah, <laughs> so explain that to me. So I wrote Big Munting when uh, I found out I was having a daughter. And, you know, my wife, you know, she said, hey, you're going to be a dad now. And I was like, yeah, I've been preparing to be a dad all my life. So it's just time for me to get on my Big Munting. And I, and I just voiced the song that night. And my daughter's in the video. You see a little cameo of her. And, you know, it's just one of them songs that showed the evolution of where I was and where I am now mentally, like, you know, a lot of a lot of people that I used to talk to and a lot of people that I was friends with, a lot of people that I call my brother, it's no longer my brother no more. We, I've moved on and done other things. They've moved on and done other things. So people, when you see me, you can't expect to see me around the same people or doing the same things when I was a teenager. I'm a big man. I'm on big man things now. So that's what the song is about. So... Now in your career, you drop, you've dropped so many. Like you got songs. Like every time I turn around, you got a refix. You got, a song, you got something coming out. Yeah. You know, like the Cayenne, like recover. What's that one? Can I recover? So last year in April, I dropped a a five song EP with a bonus song. And when I put my EP out, I knew that I wasn't gonna get no support from from your average tastemaker that plays reggae, hip-hop, dancehall, whatever the case. I knew organically I had built up a reputation with the DJs through Refix Kings, so some of them will support it. But it seems like I have to, I had to like have a real conversation with myself and say, hey, you know that 
This album is totally against the grain. You're not talking about nothing that's going on in Jamaica right now. You're not doing the say say whatever comes out your mouth. Uh, you know, talk about in the gal them chew and do this and do that and try to act like the Jamaican. <laughs> I'm not on no dancing tip. I just want to make so, a good collection of songs that display my talent. So I knew with my EP that that's what it was going to be. And I needed to release all the songs as a single. And hopefully over the course of me promoting it and pushing it, which has been a whole year right now. This is the year anniversary that my EP came out. So all these songs that you, most of them you see me coming out with are on my EP. I just re-released them with videos as singles. And Can't Recover, I had did an animated video for that. So if, if you check that out. And it's a, it's just like a traditional dancehall tune. The, the rhythm itself was made on the Casio 101 keyboard, which is the same keyboard that made the slang ting and a whole lot of classic 80s rhythms. So, wicked. That's what that's the story. Wicked, wicked, wicked. So now, Cloud Nine. See, when I look at Cloud Nine, you know, I'm thinking Smoker Tree is being floating in the sky, or I'm just like high <laughs> on life. So explain that one to me. So you gotta listen. Like a lot of times, if you listen to the hook of my songs, I'll take I'll take the meaning of something, and it's kind of be like a double entendre. So you gotta look at Cloud Nine. Let's listen to the hook. So oh, she a wine and a move her waistline. She a float on Cloud Nine. Who want to carry out the yard and spend a little time? Makes you float on cloud nine. Girl, you have the face of an angel, body of the devil. Looking at your eyes and sister, you a rebel. Need the dollar kind while you're digging at your prime. Make you float on cloud nine. So you got to look at it like the way the mentality is set right now in the culture with the women, with, you know, them having the freedom, them having the liberties, them telling you what they want up front they are on a certain level they floating on cloud nine and they and any guy that they deal with they want them to ascend to that level to make them float on cloud nine so yeah i've, I've certain things established for yourself if it's those type of women that you want to attract and have in your life so that's what the song is really about yeah so now you've done another refix and uh we going crazy <laughs> what what made you think to go do that one? So so actually the we going crazy me and butter, you know, we hadn't put out a refix maybe in like a year or two. We had kind That's of pulled off because for one it was hard to get the acapellas or make acapellas. You know, sometimes you get to do it yourself acapellas, but the quality is not that great. And we have a certain standard. So if even if we come up with the ideal and it ain't up to the standard that we set, we'll kinda like nixed it. So when we heard the DJ Khaled record, like every time albums come out from people that we respect, me and Butter will sit down and listen to the album. And when we heard We Going Crazy, we was like, that's the record that Buju Capleton and, and, and Barrington Levy should have been on. And he should have gave the other track to somebody else. That's our opinion. Respect the Khaled, your album, you, you successful. So when we heard it, we was like, yeah, we're going to refix that and do it the way and give it that vibes that we thought it was. So it was a good reintroduction and and it was a good call because on Audio Mac, 
it's like at 5,000 streams on SoundCloud. I think it's approaching 10,000 streams, and we don't usually do those type of numbers on Reefit. So somebody like it out there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, you got another one. You go, like, seriously, this one? Like, <laughs> man, I want to play it. I don't want to get flagged. Oh, you got please. See, like this, when you do things like that, yeah, it gives, the, it gives the song an extra oomph. Exactly. You know what I mean? And either you did it, or we were gonna take a reggae track and put it over it. Right. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because. You're looking at it, the concept as as how DJs look at it, right? And by being a selector, right, and rolling with an artist and sitting back, because I look at Jay Butter like I look at him as a selector, because that's the one thing I appreciated that he's done with you, where he you guys actually sat down, picked the right tunes, and attacked it properly. Right. You never did a remix where I had to go back and go, what the. You know what I mean? Like even the the do you like drugs one that you did for me too. Yeah. Like that one, I couldn't like it's just what well, I love the song, and then you're like, yo, here's a refix for you. And I'm just like, ooh, ooh yeah, it's just like, it's just like <laughs> and, you know, it's like, That's but the way you song. blessed it, it was just like, yeah. You add some reggae on that. That's an extra that's like putting some like shatter and butter inside my blunt and just adding some extra kick to it. Well, you know what I mean? I so that, man. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, you know what? We work hard to make these refixes. Right now, we we working on a refix, and we ask every time we do a refix, we think in movie. It's like two movie directors sitting in a room. We like, yo, let's get Beanie Man on this. Let's get Buju on this. Let's get. We want to get features from Jamaican artists because they don't understand the refixes go out to the American and the worldwide audience. It's not like we making these and they're sitting in our basement. We have a network where it gets out and it helps push the culture and it gives labels to listen to dancehall in a different light because dancehall has such a negative, it doesn't do numbers, reputation in the music business and it doesn't stand or sit well beside pop artists. Like we could take a Justin Bieber song and turn it into a dancehall pop smash oh, that easy. everybody would love. But record labels go off of numbers and they're going off of social media numbers and they go off of white noise. So because Refix Kings hasn't established our brand big enough where people just respect it and want to work with us, we have to beg artists, call artists, like, I have a refix sitting on my hard drive right now that I know going to kill everything. And four dancehall artists have have turned me down, not returned my, my page, not returned my text, because they don't get why I'm making refixes for free just to give to DJs. What do you mean? What you're doing right now is, yeah. like, you're playing the game right because when you do actually get on a proper remix, right. it's going to be worth it because you're already building a skill on it. Like, even though you're not actually on the track, like the other day when I sat back and I sent you this. Hello, wrong one. Whoops, that's the wrong one. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sometimes you fire the shot on the shot. Man, I got so many tracks for you. It isn't funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like every time I turn around, I got to do Edley shots somewhere. But 
ever, since like you know when we started to work with you and we were working on the the Skylarking remix, which we're gonna be dropping soon on a vinyl. Um, oh yeah, by the way, I got to show you the cover so you could go. Yo, I thought it was out already. <laughs> oh, that is. Uh, that's that, like a top secret scroll that just. Oh man, Edley, we've been ready, and you know, yeah. we've been just sitting here, just working on this properly and getting it to like you know where I needed it, like you know, because a lot of people just drop things, right? And right. the first round of everything going out doesn't always work out the way that people need it. You know what I mean? This is true, very true. And when you come down to dropping stuff, like. With under distinction of the governor general, you gotta do it right. I present to you. Life. I heard this is my voice. Then, <laughs> at the big flies, you don't know the badness. We no beg friend from the boy, and we no laughing, laughing. Them want this the king. We no in on no talking. Who them around with my throne? You need an army, couple Cubans, couple Asians. If you want to war me, never been affiliated, but the girl them affiliated. Now we rural, couple bad man with the thing them platinum plates. In the streets associated, so them have to know the greatness. Moving past the bad mind, so we not to watch no fakeness. And me never have a chop, just forget the money stop. Stay true to my hustling, all over the map. Keep a girl with something fat, extra. Push it, push it back. She love it when me rough her up in the ramping shop. From Toronto to Brampton, Winnipeg, Quebec, even a Vancouver, them official my respect. You don't know the sweats, cause the levels you no see it. Enough zeros in our bank account, no stop count the bitches. And you don't know the free when we touch down a yard. Couple be my couple Benz, 10 car and Tara. Holy from machine turn on when we head back again. We are the realest to the thing, no bad that tech with a fraud. And the American done, real legends never fall. Cause we think well, so you see, in that remix is with Thrust. Turn that back, I blacked out on it. <laughs> you see, when I played it for Thrust, he was like, whoa. Like, because a lot of people don't understand is this like, when you're a DJ and you want to sit there and you're thinking, I sat there and I heard the track. And then me and my brother were just sitting there going, yo. What are we gonna do with this? And I was like, "What are you gonna do with it?" I'm just like, then another DJ's like, "Yeah, he sent me that remix already." I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna just put that out." Like, no, and I'm just like, "Let me run this to Edley Shine and see what he says." And then as soon as you did it, like, I was like, "Okay, you guys, anybody want to put the verse back on?" And it's like, "Nah, we're good. Wow. We're good with that." And it's just like, "Let's just run with that." And I'm like, "All right." So we got a compilation coming out, and that's gonna be on it, and it's going on a vinyl. All right, so, yeah, so, done and big up to uh, Russ. Russ, that's the other artist on there. Big so, up Russ, man, big up the world of Canada, man. I can't, I wish I could show the cover right now. I'll give you a sneak peek of it after, All right. but I'm telling you, we did some Marvel shit with this cover, <laughs> and it this whole you look like a straight up comic book character. Life things are just different now because I wanted to do things right. And when I'm joining with people, I got another track on there that I'm releasing with Sean Khan and them. And then we got another couple of things with uh Thrust and Nav and you know everybody in the crew and uh right. and um you know Dumplin and X XO Nav? Uh no. Um we have the other one. The, oh, the okay. Nav, uh, Navi wow. North. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of crazy stuff with like uh, like thrusts and rusty jugs and certain people. And there's a lot like, you know, we got Frankenstein. We got uh, we got so many people involved, you know, shout out to Tom, you know, and then the rest of the family. We 
have built a movement right now where I'm working with the OGs of Canada also. And there's a lot of guys that were in the same lane as you, which they did things, they got noise, but they didn't get the love. Right. And, you know, they didn't get the extra push. And when I stand by something, I really stand by something. And when I believe in somebody, I really believe in when you believe in me, we make music and we make history together. And you and I have been working for like way over 10 years now. So it's just like, like, you're like Hello? so I, yeah, I was actually thinking about it. When I looked at the first mix, I was like, Ooh, I was like, damn, that's a long time ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but what you said to me one day when we had, um, when we we're on another interview, you, you said the smart, like the, I brought this over you, like your daughter, you, she said to you that your, your daddy, you're famous. Like, well, how does like, what does that make you feel like when your child's telling you that? I, it makes me feel like I'm setting a good example for her because I don't feel famous. I never, I never felt famous. Even when I was famous, I didn't feel famous because it was so much other things going on in the background that I just wasn't. Just, just put it this way: when you, when you reach a certain level in the game, everything just becomes fake, and everything. The love becomes fake. The admiration becomes fake. The people around you start acting fake. Family start faking on you. But I know when my daughter said that to me, it was real because she's only three years old. So her perception of what a superstar is is what she's picking up from being on her tablet and what she's seeing on TV. So if she sees those examples and then can can maneuver that in it saying hey my dad's a star too everything i see these guys on the video doing on tv my dad does that my dad shoots videos my dad makes songs people interview my dad so he's a superstar too you know if she only knew on the background that you know in the, industry, <laughs> in the music industry it's a, to you and you and you tastemakers that's watching this that have the influence that got my records in your email and you hit delete before you even listen to it i own a i own a all down certain vibes and certain certain vintage things and certain people that other artists can learn from they block them from being continuously creative they cow you down until they make you extinct that's why they got a slang in jamaica called dinosaur because the dinosaur existed on the earth and set so much precedence for how mankind acts but then the dinosaur became extinct mm-hmm. but we live off of everything that the, that the dinosaur established for us on this earth go figure i'll be so, a dinosaur i'm gonna play a little something right here right so this song right here yeah. I heard it and I like you know I slipped in a little earlier but I wanted to play the remix for it but yo this song yo I gotta say like what was the concept of this one because I love it yo it's just you want to while out yo they're not making they're not making no music like that no more not in the reggae space everything is you don't know me a scammer I mean have the bummer and I dig them short we are putting the armor and that's all you hear out of Jamaica like they forgot they've <laughs> emulating the trap hip hop, remaking that, you know, 
Same thing with regular U.S. hip-hop. They got away from the original sound. They like, yo, that, that, that's outdated. That No, nobody want to hear that. But I've traveled. I've been overseas. I've been to Chile. I've been to Colombia. I've been to Brazil. I've been to Ecuador. I've been over in the U.K. And guess what they listening to? Raw hip-hop. They collecting vinyl. They still breakdancing. They still have all the elements of the culture. It's small pockets of people that will emulate what they see out of Jamaica, and that's fine. That's what keeps the Jamaican dance hall economy going. But on the world stage, on the music selling stage, it's a diversified audience that listens to that style of boom bap with, with, a, with a yard man, a DJ, a yard style over boom bap production with a reggae loop in it. So, But they don't want to make that no more because people on the young people in jamaica gonna be like well that now that now boom boom now play that and you know it up and zip on area for my fame so me now make them no. that's a world time style yeah you can't jump off wall and pan girl with them tongue yeah. <laughs> they feel like it's an irrelevant art form to make that type of music but i know that that song me sending it out to the djs will last longer in their box than whatever the current hot trending song is in jamaica right now but you That's see facts the fact that i know that that song will get played right. in canada right. especially and in certain places because i have this argument all the time yeah. i don't mind trap music i like some trap music right. i like reggae and dancehall and all the means of it because i look at it at all different categories as all different right. types of music right. you know you got the contemporary side of like dancehall or reggae which is like you know roots rock right. then you got you know and then you got the then you got the slow jam ones which is just like how regular slow jams is right now everyone is just joking on your hole and all this other stuff now and then you got <laughs> you got it's like live up and righteous and then the next song on the rhythm is just right. like god let me hold you thank you it's just like and you and there's a lot of diversity in what reggae and dancehall and everything does, especially like the way trap, hip hop. There's always different categories of hip hop. Right. And, and I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people, I don't know if people in the space meds it or not, but the same thing that happened to hip hop in America happened to dancehall in Jamaica. But it was just, it's just reverse because a lot of the sounds and a lot of the styles and the way of DJing that you're hearing on this, this new production and dance hall in Jamaica is from the north coast of Jamaica. It's from the Montego Bay. The UK and everything too. Most of the stuff gets done in the UK before it even hits Jamaica. Exactly. It's getting influenced by the drill and the grime and all of that. But the style of DJing and, you know, you have people, I think Cartel honed in on it first and then everybody started. It's like a nasally up in your newer style of DJing. Can't come make me touch you Like that type of style is a different is is the way a certain sect of jamaicans talk and it's more those jamaicans that listen to the music and are influenced by the music and follow the music more than kingston which is the equivalent of new york which is the equivalent of the heartbeat and where the the whole vibes of dancehall came from so the roughneck style of djing and the aggressive voice of djing came from kingston and that got overtaken by the North Coast sound and the Mubei artist and all that. And now that's the dominant sound, the same way the South rules hip-hop right now with the 
with the southern slang and the, the trap music and the you know, I'm a hustler, I'm a baller, I'm a scammer and the imagery of the women, the strip club, club culture. Like all of that is from the tourist sect of Jamaica and the South of America. And that's what's influencing the music. That's why you hear such a change in dancehall music right now. It's being influenced by the southern hip-hop of America, culture-wise and sound-wise. People don't realize that. And that's what I try to teach a lot of people because right. I listen to a lot of like different styles of hip-hop, reggae, and dancehall. Right. There's, and there's a hip-hop side to hip-hop and reggae, right. which a lot of people don't pay attention to. And the UK has capitalized on it heavy. Right. And um, and Canada has capitalized it in the East Coast. So it's just like when you look at a lot of things, it's like rappers are actually used and they are from Guyana, St. Vincent, Jamaica, Trinidad, all different types of places and using their slang in their music. Right. And that's not easy for a lot of people to do because over the years, you remember how many rappers and people used to try to do it and they couldn't pull it off right. right. It sounded weird. Like, you know, the men are wicked. You know, it's like when you listen to stuff like that, it was like, it was forced. Like, even watching old movies with Denzel Washington and all those stuff. And like, oh, you know, just how everybody had to say the patch was so slow. Yeah. So everybody could really understand it. It's like, next week we gone for bread. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, like, what? Then you came out with movies like Shatas and yeah. World Cup and all that stuff. And then people started to catch on more to the culture. And the stuff with Louis Rankin came out of nowhere, rest in peace, my brother. That that dude just brought a whole new aspect of like, okay, we had Scarface, then it was just like black Scarface. <laughs> it was just like, and you know what it's like. And the way the, the culture has grown where people started to pay attention more to dance hall. During the time you guys came out, there was a lot of different people who were pulling out different artists left and right. Like some people slept on even signing you guys at one point. Everybody slept. Everybody, everybody on the East Coast fronted on us. They was like, "Let me, uh, let me explain this to you." All right. <laughs> you have to take yourself back to 1990, the summer of 1992. You got to understand what was going on in the culture right there. You had Penthouse. You had Dave Kelly murdering dancehall with these prolific artistic, creative songs by Buju Banta, by Facts. Fabulous Terry Gyanzi. You know, you had Sanchez, you had Wayne Wonder, you had all these staples in Jamaica that ran reggae music and dancehall. Shaba Rankin was signed to Sony and he was doing, he was kind of straddling that line of being connected to Jamaica, but really moving to the United States and being a world artist. Then you had Mun like, uh, at the time, who else? You had Heavy D that was introducing reggae. You had a couple songs like Ragamuffin Love by uh, Colonel uh, Kreider. And, uh, and then um, we had uh, um, what, Shinehead. Shinehead. We had, we had um, and then you had... Um, Mad Lion. Uh, they had uh, Sly, Sly um, um, King Tubby. With, wait, where's the other one there? You know, Yellow Man, even to a certain degree. His Sly and Robbie. Sly and Robbie had... Oh, man. You heard she wrote. So, but the thing about it was the only example of dancehall and reggae music at the time, at that time period between 92 and 93 was Shabarangan having a gold record and him winning a Grammy. That was the only example of a record company of 
white guys sitting in the office in New York and L.A. and saying, hey, what's this reggae thing coming off of Jamaica? Can we capitalize off of it? And you know what the marketing team is going to say? Show us the numbers, Craig. Does it have <laughs> for us to invest in one of these guys? And Shabo was the only one that had the numbers. So they didn't have enough examples of reggae music selling like that outside of Bob Marley, Shabba. Then Shaggy came with Boombastic after that. And we had Super Cat. That's Super Cat. And then Cutty Ranks, Ranks, you had a couple records. Then you had Salam Remy that came with Hot Stepper. So it was certain things that said, hey, maybe this reggae stuff could work. But when we presented Born Americans to our record label, they were like, Born Jamaican? <laughs> what does that mean? What do you mean by Jamaican? Like, you can't be... Like, you have... America was built on multiculturalism. Like, right. nobody is from America that lives in America. So I don't understand why the concept was so foreign to record labels. But we were unproven. We didn't have any records out at the time. And when our management shopped us, they were like, uh, yeah, this is not the dance hall that's trending from Jamaica and taking over the UK and big in Canada and bubbling in America. So we can't take a risk on two American kids doing dance hall. So... It was hard for us to get signed, but thank God that our manager met someone from Delicious Vinyl, an independent label that had major success with Tone Loke, Young MC, Brand New X. And they were, they were forward thinking and had the money and the liquid equity, even though they didn't even spend a lot of money to make our records because we were kind of self-contained when we went to the label. We already had our concept. We had our group. We had our image. All they had to do was put us in the studio and record us and put the records out and see what happens. So that's kind of how we got on with it. We were independent and we were promoted two major labels and the major labels hopped on what they thought was a good idea and put a little bit of the marketing budget into us to see what happened. That's the mechanics that went behind Born America. We never had a major label and a major marketing budget and a major ra radio right. budget and a major TV video budget to push our music to the level so, that it should have gotten. But you got to tour with some majors. Right. The music connected. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you, see, oh. <laughs> you see, that's what the thing is, because they didn't even take a good chance. That all of a sudden, your music took life of its own. Right. To and then... Day. Thank you. And then that's what I wanted to prove to people is this like you never take advice from people who are telling you this is not what we're looking for. This right. is not what's going on. Because you never know that one day that track's gonna be played and then next you know you're gonna have about fifty DJs playing it. Right. Right. And that's a lot of things that people never got to the point where right. and I like that you touched about this earlier where you said, Why are you giving the records to DJs for free? Why are you giving it out to people for free? Right. Think about that. Right. I when I get a Spotify Right. or YouTube and stuff sent to me and I don't got the actual song, you're getting like this much of my attention. Right. Because I'm sitting there thinking in my head, what am I supposed to do right now? I can't download this. I can't put this on my player. I can't do like, what do you want me to do right now? Go listen to your Spotify and then what? Right. Come back to you, say that's nice. And then what? What do you want me to do with it from here? Then you sit there and you're telling guys, okay, here's a budget to do this. Then they're crying, and I'm like, do you know that the whole music business is based off a of budget? This is true. Very so true. if you're not, like, labels got budgets. Right. Everybody's got budgets. 
So if you're getting into this game and someone's saying, yo, I hope you over 500 or something like around there. And then you're just like, what do you mean? I go, we'll put you on a bunch of radio stations, maybe hook you up with a magazine. Like, you never know. The prices go up for more and more that you want. Then you get interviews and then you get this and then you get, and then they don't know that these interviews and these things that we do end up on TV networks, ends up on radio stations all over the world. So it's just like, I'm glad that guys like you take the chance to go and do interviews and keep yourself relevant in the game because no one does this. Like you, you do differently when it comes down to touring, like you go day to date in different areas. Most people do just spot dates, right? You know what I mean? But your hustle is different. You're you're old school, and that's what I love about it. Cause definitely, I, I think, and just to expound on what you were talking about, I think the kids, the kids have been, been tri- I call it they they definitely been technologyed to think that social media can make a career. Social media is the amplification of what you build organically, and kids don't understand that. They think. Just make a stupid song, put a dumb dance to it, put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram, watch it go viral. And then and then somebody from Sony or Universal Warner Brothers is going to call me because my dumbass dance got three million views. It's not how it works. Every social media influencer that you see on Instagram that's hyping up a song been paid to hype up that song by somebody. Either it's their hustling uncle the artist himself or a management or a label is paying that influencer who who has done enough pro- made enough product put in enough hours to have the engagement from people and spent enough money to where now they can sell their influence as real estate to people that's hungry to be somebody that's how that that's how it works if i'm wrong correct me but that's what i see so on that note, I want to get into your song here, Money Face Quick. <laughs> I mean, if I get two, two days, I'm going to get ready. Don't, forget ready. Forget Don't ready. rush them. Forget ready. 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 International flight with a real money done. Take you to a higher eye. Looking at the mirror, your future so bright. Top mago gal born for vid your life. Any man will get the pussy, I tell you it tight. But him have to spend the money if he get your excite. Mirror, mirror, pan the wall. Who is the top gal? Yo, oh, would you come with that one? But you have to spend the money if you get your excite. Yo, that's fire right there. <laughs> Jamar, Jamar from Stun Gang. Big up the whole of Stun Gang, Safari and the crew. So DJ Jamar sent me that rhythm shoot earlier this year and said, yo, are you st- do you still make music? And that's the question I always <laughs> I'm like, dog, have you not heard <laughs> 10 million songs I've had out before you sent me this rhythm? But for some reason, he reached out to me. And then I voiced it. I sent it to him, and I'm like, yeah, here it is. Um, you know, I always, when I voice a tune, especially when it's going to be on a rhythm, I do. I, I send my songwriter's agreement and my paperwork immediately to the producer and have them sign off. Because 
once that's the thing about rhythms rhythms you don't have no control over it once it goes to the producer hand it's a wrap all you can do is pray that the song get big enough where you can do your shows and if you have enough streams off of it and i didn't even know who he was going to voice on the rhythm so i didn't know who i was in competition with so i just knew that whatever i had I had to stand out in my mind and hope it could compete with what everybody else is doing and so far you know in my eyes you know, as far as the promotions and everything that's been going on, a lot of be people been picking my song out of the A song. Oh, yeah. On there, so. I've been seeing that a lot because, like, when I, when I see, like, promos, even the video, like, when, I, when you go to look for the rhythm, right? your verse is, like, the one that you're the most watched or you're the first one. That's, my, that's my, my design, though. It wasn't done by them. That was by my – I made sure that I had enough <laughs> content out about my song. See, that's what I said. It's going to overtake what anybody else do. I didn't depend on a producer or no label or anybody else to highlight my thing because I knew I was the odd man out, and I had to work. I have to work. I have to do that for every song I put out. I'm raging against the machine. See, that's what I like about you because when a product does go out about you, you right. do stand behind it. Because right. I know when we drop the track, you're going to be behind it fully. Absolutely. See, that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand is, and then we're going to be working on, the like, you know, I want to do a refix video, what type of thing, but I got an idea. But right. you see, people need to understand is over this time during COVID, a lot of things has grown for you. You got to expand more. You've been shooting right. videos. You built a whole media team, like, to do your own stuff. Right. You know, and now you, you, like, you're just like, ah, can't go nowhere? All right. Set this up. <laughs> it's just like you're in it. Cause you even gave me motivation on some of the stuff that I've gotten done with myself. That's for so sure. it's like I appreciate that to watch you and everything. Like I have to big up Flair Lindsay anywhere she at. She might be watching or she'll see this later. But thank you, Flair. Flair's been doing my PR for years now. And if it wasn't for her, a lot of the a lot of the industry looks as far as tastemakers that she have relationships with wouldn't even know I was still making music. Cause a lot of things I do on my own, yes, but without her, you know, her influence and her reach, reaching the people that I don't communicate with on a daily basis. So PR is important as far as and the thing about it is a lot of artists think that all right, if I have a they, they mistake a PR for what a manager do and what a manager do for what a record label do. PR only highlights what you put out into the world. They put it in front of more faces than what your reach can do. And that's all. That's their job. PR is not supposed to manage you. PR is not supposed to be responsible for your coming and your going. They don't pay your child support. None of that stuff. PR is not your babysitter. It's public relations. They make sure that what you're doing relates to the masses. That's it. People don't understand the value and money behind that because if you have a proper PR team behind you, you're good. Like, like now it's like over the years that we've been working together, you've done so much of me that you have a presence here in Canada. People want to see you in Canada. We've been trying to make this happen, but you know, during times of winter, you got on a run. Certain things started to happen differently. Right. But now, we have a a time to do like COVID got a time to sit back. People got the time to watch you, right. and in about one minute, you got a new video about to premiere tonight. Oh man! <laughs> That's what's oh man, God just turned the light off. My battery died, but it's okay. Y'all can still see me, right? Yeah, we got you. Yeah. So yeah, like right now it's eleven o'clock. Your video's premiering. You know. Right. 
I'm proud of you for this, and uh, we have it here right now too. Yeah, so, man. Glow party, glow party. This is the fourth single from my EP. You know, actually the fifth visual, fourth single, and you know, I I just I just feel proud to know that the video is out there and it's gonna do what it's gonna do. Even before this, I was meeting with my team. I have a team of people that control my Google analytics and making sure that the video hits the right algorithm so that people know that it's out and see it when it goes live on YouTube. Like all of these things are important and a lot of people just just depend on word of mouth and posting the links on social media. That's part of it, but there's a whole mechanics behind promoting your song that you need to get in tune with and know. And don't just pay these, these what I call parasites that you see online <laughs> saying that they can do this and that for you. Because a lot of them just going to take your money and, and attach your stuff to bots and, and give you fake okay. views and fake streams. You don't want that. You want real people looking at your video at least for 30 seconds to a minute and then actually liking the video, subscribe to your page and, and watch it over again and share it with people. That's what you want your video to do. So on that note, you want to introduce it? So, yo, this is my new single. Big up to DJ Despair. Big up to the All Street Killers team. This is entitled Glow Party off the Based on Talent EP, streaming everywhere. Run it! When you hear the one you're in a party, every girl a glow up. And when you get a boom wine from a shawty, no feel the thing show up. Cause the girl I'm looking so sexy, make her off the bow up. I'm a yard, my wife, he stress me. I know girl is a bonus. We make that party glow. Everybody know us. We make that party glow. Make the girl them glow up. We Go down. Down, down. This is a DJ Despair exclusive. Yeah. Yes. So go to his channel right now and watch this video. Yeah, man. It's definitely. It's actually it's gonna be up in an hour. It comes up 12 p.m. East Coast time. So once it goes live, yeah, it, it, it's 12 p.m. East Coast time right now. Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh no! Wait a minute. Oh, it's eleven. It's eleven. Eleven. Yeah, but it says to eleven p.m. on your page, so I thought it was gonna be eleven p.m. Eastern. It, it might, I think it. I think it's twelve a.m. But actually, hold on. Page. Save it. Click the link at twelve. <laughs> hold on. I, I put it on my app, and I yeah. can go verify this right now. If it's right. I thought it was twelve a.m., but maybe it, maybe they said it for eleven, man. I'm just glad. Oh, it's no. Yeah, yeah. You're right. They said it. Another 56 minutes. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So at 12 p.m. East Coast time, what's that? 9 p.m. West Coast time. Let's say it's 11 Central. I don't know. <laughs> Africa and Europe. But. It's 11 o'clock our time out here in Canada. Like right. my time. Toronto time is 12, right. you know. So that's the new video, and, and I'm excited because we have a whole campaign that we're putting behind it. We're going to try to attempt to get it played in Jamaica. Hopefully, you know, the powers that be will not once again, once again thwart my efforts and say, But Edley Shine, you're not on the road at Jamaica. We can't play that. that that's, that's always the excuse. Nobody on the road can play you in Jamaica. Nobody in the, on the road in Jamaica buys music. So what's the problem? <laughs> they might buy this one if you play it and let them see it they might like it what i what i found out in jamaica there's a set you have the street dance hall set that they only going for the raw dance hall and 
their heroes are their heroes and nothing wrong. The baddest artist in the world is in Jamaica. We know this. We know this. The baddest artists in the world are in Jamaica. Then you have a certain set of young generation in Jamaica who like alternative stuff. Like the last time I was in Jamaica, people were into anime. People were listening to BTS. People was on the internet, into TikTok and into social media and being an influencer. This is stuff that I've never seen happen on the island like that before. And it kind of it kind of took me aback. I'm like, yo, Jamaica, the, the youth, and they start listening to like alternative artists, you know, like Saint and, you know, they like other things. It's not just the raw dancehall and reggae music down there. You got EDM concerts in Jamaica. You got you got our old school R&B shows happening in Jamaica. Well, because There's a lot of things going on. The down. Internet opened up for a lot of people more because, right. you know, right. back in the days when you were out in the yard, you know, like. Barely, I remember people just finally got off a of BlackBerry. You know what I mean? So it's just like when you look back at certain things, it's like we were a lot more privileged than a lot of the people were. Like even when I go to the Caribbean, right? Like I was dropping mixtapes, and I'm getting calls from family going, "Like, yo, your mixtape is fire." Yo, I heard it out here. I'm like, "How'd you get it?" He's yeah. like, "Well, my brethren, I'm not bootlegging off the site." <laughs> and I'm just like, and then he's like, "It's being sold at the corner store." <laughs> Like, Audio Mac <laughs> is king in, in the Caribbean, yo. Audio Mac is the number one way to circulate your song in the Caribbean right now. Oh, man. Because people don't have credit cards to get Spotify and Apple Music. But, Audio Mac. But do you remember back in the days with Audio Max? Yeah. When they came out of nowhere, putting yeah, on people's yeah, CDs and all of these CDs and stuff, yeah. They cleaned up. I don't even think that's the same company, but nah. No, it's not. It's not. But that's like, I'm just finding it funny that that came out of that after. Right. Because I know the person who, like, who was running that before. And then it's like, <laughs> it's like. Are they I, road or are they okay? Man. Oh, dog. The <laughs> shit that I saw. You know what? For somebody who was, who was uh, ahead of the time. Right. And like putting out music and if they would have had a proper like reason, like, you know, it was at the same time as Napster and all that stuff. Right. Everybody was trying to get a free like way of putting out music. And we had so many torrent sites. We had so many things going on. Like, right. I remember you could go up on a torrent site and just pull up any artist's album and just get the whole album. My the whole yeah. discography. I was part of that. I was part of that crew. So I know firsthand where the music is at. So that's why you got to understand, like. For the young artists that's out there that may catch this later or watching it now, you got to understand it's two different audiences you're vying for. You're vying for the internet audience who are more onlookers and supporters of liking and sharing and doing things. But there's also a buy-in public with music. You have people who take pride in going on the artist that they love page and spending that $9.99 for their album or that 99 cents for the single. And it's millions of those people. That's how artists are able to, to survive. They have influence with the, the internet audience, the like, the share, the streamers, and then they have an audience with the buying public, the people who go to the shows, who buy their merchandise, who follow their steps. And when you merge those two together and the streaming audience sees the buying public spending money, then the streamers will start to spend money. And that's how artists are able to make money on all these different platforms. But when you separate the church and state, the artist suffers because 
you have the streamers and the internet people who say, hey, this is okay, or I don't like it, or I'm not going to support him because uh, I don't like his shirt, or I don't like his hat. And then the buying public looks at the numbers and be like, well, I, he might not be that hot as I think he is because the streamers don't like him. And it, it, it's that snowball effect. So it's, it's a slippery slope. Like, I consider myself an artist that has a certain sound, and I, and I fit a certain niche. I'm not a trendy artist. I can't be a trend, trendy artist. I can't sell sex. I'm not, a, I'm not a six pack guy. So I can't sell sex. So all I can sell you is art and the tenacity and the grace of being a real artist. See, art. I'm glad you touched on that because nowadays people are making fun of the verses and all these different things that are going on. Do you think that you would end up in one of those actually? I mean, I don't think the group has had enough success on 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 to what they grade artists as they're grading legends and multi-platinum artists so the only other two artists in reggae that i think fit that stature of doing that maybe on a dancehall level with shaggy and sean paul you know born americans who will we who will we go against you know shaka demons and pliers pay murder she wrote this over for us what are we gonna <laughs> How are we gonna counteract Meredith? She wrote. See, that's why I like about talking with you because you're real. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I get it. Like, there's a lot of people now. There's the politics with the Dipset and the Locks one. Right. There's so much different politics about a lot of things that goes on the game, and some people don't know how to keep the street and the and the business side out of things. Right. I hope yeah. it. I, I've been seeing little vibes with that. I hope it don't go too far. Cause we know the whole of them are at Ed and the whole of them have them thing and they got their followers and their goons. Oh, so I hope they just keep it music. I hope they put a cage in the middle of the stage. <laughs> set on and one side. And in the middle. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? like, and they pat everybody down before it. Cause plus they keeping it in the garden. I want to see it because I think, I think it's going to be an even match and I think they both got scud missiles on both sides that they could play. But is it going to stay music? That's the problem. Well, facts. But you see, yeah. like, they, it will. I just think this is all just publicity. Right. Because of the type of, you know, groups they are. Right. And, um, you know, in this industry right now, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of... Uh, Goonery. You know, a little yeah, bit you of know, Goonery. that's what I'm saying. It's like when the whole Gucci man and uh, Jeezy thing went down, you know how many people were scared for that? Gucci was just brushing Jeezy gun handle the whole night. I was like, boy, oh. I don't know if I could attack that uh, Jeezy, but he handled it like a G. I respect him. I respect him for how he handled it because it could have went left real easy a couple times. Facts, 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 facts. So on that note, like, so you have the the video that just dropped. Right. Do you have a new album dropping? Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a certain space right now. The EP was kind of like my my tour to France as far as putting out projects. I got a lot of singles. I'm working on a Latin single right now. I'm about to fly down to the Dominican Republic to shoot a video for it. And I don't know. It's like I'm not inspired to make bodies of work right now because it's like I don't really know who's listening and who's pay atten paying attention to me. I know I have my certain sect of people who follow what I do, but that doesn't warrant a full project. The Based on Talent project gave me a nice measuring stick to see how people would receive a project from me. And it was cool as far as me establishing myself outside of the group. But I don't, I don't know what I need to do to get over the hump as far as the stigma of me being... I, for the most part, people trying to trying to treat me like I'm a has been, 
And I don't really get that. It's just like I'm more active than a lot of your favorite artists that's out here right now. And I, got, and I have material and I got points on the board. So it's like if I got points on the board and I'm active and you seeing and you hearing from me and I'm reaching out. I did a test last week. I had a bunch of in industry tastemakers in my phone. I said, you know what? I'm going to make a WhatsApp group. I just want to see who's going to leave the group. And I, I put a text in there and I said, yo, this is my WhatsApp group. I just wanted to directly reach out to people who who I've had contact with, who I communicate with, just to let you know what I'm up to. And I said, if you leave the group, I won't take it personal. But I know that a lot of people are not a fan of artists reaching out to them directly. And I just watch, and I just watch certain people that already I know is not is not supportive of what I do. Just leave the room. Just leave the room. They didn't even say, yo, big up, big up my artists. Are big up. They just left. I'm like, okay. So I'm... And the people that's still in the room, I understand that these are the people that I could win over and gain support. I just need to have more communications with them. So it was a good litmus test for me. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I've been learning that a lot. Like COVID taught me a lot. A lot of things taught me a lot because I'm used to isolation. I'm used to not being around people and just being right. stuck in my world. Right. And I was already like that because people always wanted to hang out and go do things. And <laughs> I didn't like, I don't like to do things. Like I do if it's like I need to get a break and go do something fun for a while and all that stuff. Uh, but a lot of times is if, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense to me. Absolutely. And I and, get it. And then you got a lot of people in the industry who like they spend so much time wasting money and saying, oh, life is this. And like, yeah, but if you're going to do something, try leaving a legacy, try like leaving something that's going to make sense behind you. Absolutely. Like, you know, when somebody's at your funeral and then you got a whole bunch of people sitting there going, play his track. You know what I'm just saying? Like, you know, something like, like I want, I want people to be walking down the aisle of my mixtapes. You right. see, this is like the thing that I've learned in life is people take what they do and their talent for granted Absolutely. and a lot of people take artists like you for granted and they don't understand that there is a lane for you right and the just because of, like the labels or certain people are not paying attention even some industry execs because they're jealous of what people are doing some people don't even want to be your friend because you're still doing it and right. they not right. and they and like and you know from the past a lot of these guys need verses some yeah. of these people don't but a lot of them really do need it. Right. Because now I see they're touring after it. Even a lot of the artists that my people have been interviewing with, you know, shout out to ACW right. and Mixed Mafia DJs and that. And like, you know, a lot of times I turn around and I see old school legends that we have coming around resurrecting, putting out music. People I, I loved growing up, right. people didn't even know they had music. And if there wasn't for underground DJs like myself and a lot of people, like, yes, we're known. And yes, some of us are out there, but we do stay to the streets. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't get is like, if I didn't sit there one day online and go, hey, walk on. And then you start talking and go check out my single. Then I'm like, yo, can you do this for me? And then we just start to build a relationship. Right. And I've never stirred you wrong. I've never done like, you know, we've always been good. I always keep up with you with things that are going on, what we got going on, what you have going on. You always send in emails. Everything always makes sense right. and because you're repetitive and you keep sticking with your craft. Right. And a lot of people just died off with the craft. This is like, I'm too old. I'm just going to go sit back and eat a bunch of Cheetos and shit and watch movies. Man, sometimes, sometimes every day I feel that way. Every day I, <laughs> I tell my wife, yo, I quit. This is it. And she just look at me. Right. You're going to be back in there fighting with the studio and fighting to get things done. Same way. I don't know, man. 
I've been this way. I've been this way before there was a group, before I met the singer, before everything. I was making music and trying to make art the best way I could. You know, when I couldn't even afford to record, I was beating on the table and recording myself with a tape recorder. And so it's just in me to do it. And when I got to do it on a professional level and I learned the mechanics of how to put out a record and what is needed and all that, you know, I'll take my nine to five money and spend it on my music. It's no problem to me. Once my family is straight and I know all the bills is paid and my daughter is straight, whatever whatever is the fluff and the bra and the, and the extra, I'll take that and be like, yo, I'm gonna go cop this camera. And like, if you, I got a wall in my house. It has camera equipment. It got stabilizer. It got podcast equipment. I have everything to my comfort to make music and promote music and do music and. I would be a I would be a depressed individual if I didn't have these things. And I've taken losses like the studio I'm sitting in done flooded out three times in my house. It's the same house that all the Born American hits I wrote, Boom Shakatak, I wrote Cease and Sackle, I wrote Hardcore, right in this place that I'm sitting in right now. I never left where I came from. And I've lived in LA, I've lived in Miami, I've lived in Hollywood, but this is the essence of who I am here. And this is what I've made my home. So, you know, as much as, as much as I cuss about the industry and I give my opinionated opinion, and some of you new school guys don't like when I talk because I put a spotlight on your wizard of artistry <laughs> that you're doing and your inflated numbers and your affiliations. That's just me. I just call it like I see it. I don't hate on nobody's career. I'm not mad at anybody that's that's apparently running the road right now i'm happy for you but make sure that what you're doing is not just white noise make sure that what you're bringing in from the music can take care of your family and also you can use that money to invest back into your art if you oh, yeah. doesn't do that then i don't know what to tell you oh man because i sat here and i was like because i got children and when I was buying my equipment and I was getting all my stuff, and then one day I sat back and I was like talking to a bunch of friends last year, and I was just like, I want to own all of this by next year. I said, because we were at a festival, and I'm just like, I want to have this and this and then. And then one day you and I were talking, and you're like, yo, I just went and bought the green screen, did everything, so if I need to do stuff, let me know. I got the cameras, or if I got to pay a camera guy to do something, just let me know what I got to do. Right. And I'm just like... Okay, and then when I sat there and I was here, like, I gotta get this. And then I went to a video shoot, and right. I walked in the video shoot. And I saw everything. I said, I'm buying this. The next day, I had everything in my house. The right. dudes that, like called me. They like they came out. They're like, Yo, what the? I like. I didn't wait. I went and got the same gimbal. I went and got the same thing. And then you know, I was just like, as soon as I was able to have the type of camera I needed to stream. Right. And I knew things was on, but nothing stopped me from testing things and getting the programs and learning all the other stuff to do it, all that, right. even how to switch backgrounds and, you know, things. Cause look at our age, look at the, like, you know, the era we grew in and all this stuff. And I'm not that far behind all y'all. And, and I got a chance to actually get away from all that bull where people are like technology and all this stuff is not cool. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I had so many guys yelling at me over the years going, get away from the computer. <laughs> Why are you always on the computer? Yo, Why are you always sitting in front of the computer? Every time they come by, I just got a blunt in my mouth and I'm on the computer. Right. And then now it's just like the whole world has to be on a computer. And I'm just like, why are you on a computer? Why are you on the computer? <laughs> Everybody's been on a computer for the past year and changed now. You know? 
So on that note, I appreciate you. Thank Respect you. Tell everybody your social media and how to get a hold of you. It's Edley Shine, E-D-L-E-Y-S-H-I-N-E on everything. And, you know, I can do the cliche, just Google me. Everything comes up. <laughs> Edley Shine. Go check out my new video, Glow Party, going up. It's on my YouTube page. It'll be on Apple Music. It'll be on Tidal. It'll be everywhere. And check out my EP, Based on Talent. My new single, Money Face, produced by DJ Jamar, is out there on the Black Bimmer Rhythm. You also have Tonto Metro, Devante, Patex, Wasp, and a whole host of other artists. And they, I know they would have never bigged up my song from the rhythm, but I bigged them up anyway because I'm a different type of breed. Very I want humble. everybody to succeed. I want everybody to have a big tune I wrote. That's just me. Hey, as soon as the border is opening up, your ass coming out of here. I'm telling you, Yo, things to do. I want to. <laughs> oh, you know, we never. I think outside of doing the much music, we and I think I told you this before. Yeah. I, I've, I've never performed in Canada ever. I know that's one like, Americans as as we shine as nothing. We always talk. Can't wait to make that happen. That's like this has been a dream of mine because if I'm the first person to ever do that, which you heard it here first. Right. Yes, it's going down. Come on, Mr. Promoter. The voice is intact. Reggae. <laughs> Very respectful. The voice is intact. I got the I got the new stuff. I got the refixes. I can't keep us sure, man. Blood you know, I've been telling people that because you know what? Like, I've been working with a lot of people and, and I, I just like I know that bringing you out here is going to be cool because we do a lot of old school events. We do a lot of things. And you coming and doing your old stuff and then me and you go do some other stuff and go promote your other music. You know, like it's 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 to get people to know what you are doing now. Right now, Edley Shine, formerly a bunch of Americans, Mitchy B and Lucy Lucy, if they still together. Cardinal official. See? Uh What's the other group that was from Canada that was big? I forgot that. Is it Northern Lights or Northern Touch? It was the Northern, Northern Touch. Touch. That was with Thrust and like and then uh, Rascals and everybody. All, all of them on a. We love the '90s. Keep it in the park somewhere downtown Toronto. Make sure police is out there because them Toronto killies be acting up. And let's have fun, man. And let's just bring back. Let's just do something for the culture. Well, I got I got to talk in with some of my people. So, you know, I'm going to be saluting up my big brothers, um, DTS and, uh, you know, and hip hop. Um, we. Northside hip hop and all that. We got an idea, a lot of stuff. And I've been working with a lot of the legends and the big guys. So my goal in the game was to take guys like you work with you do music with you and then come and have you celebrate and work on it because a lot of you guys never got a chance to actually perform in canada right. ever. ever and you know and, and for me to give you an opportunity to do that that would be an honor because i've worked with you for so long pushing you out here and playing things and i play your remixes in a club your, your stuff is part of my sets and awesome. when i drop my dubs and i sit back and go hey Orange Americans, and then I walk away. <laughs> you know, just like, like, like after you drop the first four, you're just like, okay, how many more do you have? Don't worry about it. Just wait. Just this is all. You know, it's like, and you gave me that power because as a DJ, that's an honor when someone could do something for you like that. Because most of these DJ, most of these reggae artists and stuff, they're like sitting in Jamaica going, yo. Run me out uh, uh, two hundred, and I'll give you a uh, three dubs. Yeah, and then you're just like. 
Okay, then you send the money, and then the dubbing what the dub's supposed to be. Nothing's done what is supposed to be happening, and then you get into an argument with this man at the studio and find out it was a splice dub, or there was some other man's at the studio that sounds like the man's. <laughs> man, I encourage anybody that calls down to Jamaica to get a dub plate, and it's just speaking somebody who loves the culture and defends the culture, get a video Thank you. from the artist saying that yo this is who the this is who represents me whoever the vendor is or from the artists themselves if you don't see a video voice note of that artist saying your name and say yes this beer i'm gonna do your dub we're in out the studio and he show you the mic and he show you the pro tools don't send your money down there that's what oh, I, I know I got authentic dubs, but I've been in a room with some people who played some dubs and were just like, yo, family, that's like the man's right here. And he said he never did that dub. Yo, I've heard. I'm, <laughs> he'd be like, this is Butchabantan. Butchabantan. Yes, I am. Run it, sound killer. And you could hear the dude cutting in the sound's name in, in the Buju dub that they got from God knows who. And you're just like, yo, what part of the game is this, man? Oh man, it's that's because that's why I say you're the refix king. I've seen you do it properly. Right. You've done it better than most people I've known have done remixes in the game where you've like you took your crown, you made a lane for yourself, and right. that's what kept you where you were because now refix is a big thing now. Everybody's saying it, everybody's got something like that. Not even anything that has to do with reggae is called a refix, exactly. So, you know what I mean? So, and yeah, then, think about it, and the thing about it is me. And DJ J Butter has spent probably ten thousand hours making refixes, and we haven't made one. We haven't done one show, or been paid by a label to refix any of the records that we done, from the Beyonces to the Wyclefs to all these major artists that we've had featured on refixes that got all of this radio play, never made one cents, and we still make like some mud money. Well, I'm telling you right now. The way I'm looking at things, yeah, I want to use that ability because me and you about have talked about doing stuff together before. So now I'm looking in a way where you could cross over on another network with some real people who right. would appreciate you doing that. Let's you do see, it. that's where I you got to look at the game. Like, yes, that was the first step of it, but like I saw you do that stuff. But if you did that with somebody who's like up and coming in the game right. that needs that push, right. where it's just the respect. And that's where a lot of these like artists like because I get guys calling me all the time going, yo, I need a reggae artist on a track. And I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like and I, I, most of the times, what type of reggae artist do you want? Like, what do you certain things you want to do? Because I like the diversity of you because you could do a dancehall rhythm. You could do a heavy hardcore hip hop beat. You've been on tracks with the lights of like, you know, um, Mad Lion and all these different people and stuff like that and like even at one point you were telling me that you could have worked with KRS-One yeah I, I still have the record I did a record with KRS-One you know it's called My Tears one day I might just leak it but I out of, I have so much respect that's like my father of music yo like he raised me in music just by listening to him and I've told him this so I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out without his permission and Mad Lion is on it too so hopefully one day when I could catch up with KRS, because KRS is everywhere at all times. So you don't catch up with him. You just run into him. And Yo, anybody who's listening to this, tell KRS-One to get a hold of this man. I want 
to release yeah. that track. Yo, if, like, if he gives it, I mean, I did it for Mad Lion's Killer Pride label, so Mad Lion has the masters for it, but we just need to get Chris Blessings to put it out on the oh, road. man, that would be bananas. That would be so... It's, it's so fire. It's some hardcore hip-hop, and we spitting some reality. And just, just to even make the record and know that it exists, for me, was an accomplishment. I, up to this point, I mentioned it, I didn't even really care if it came out, because KRS means... He mean a lot to everybody in hip-hop, but for me to be in the studio and give him my ideals and him look at me and be like, yo, that's dope. Dude, yeah, let's do that. And I'm just like, yo, dude, you don't even know what you're doing, you're doing right now. Like, you're, you're like affirming to me like so many things as a kid growing up, listening to Criminal Minded and listening yep. to my philosophy, listening to the blueprint and watching, watching your ascension. And when we first started in Born Americans, we met KRS before we started even talking to labels. And he gave us his number to call him. And I call that office till it's so many times. But he he's a touring artist. He always on the road. And, yeah. and I don't even know if he still flies to this day. So a lot of time he taking the Queen Mary and going over to Europe and then he gotta come back. So he'll be gone for months. I know I heard he I um I if correct me if I'm wrong, people, yeah. but I heard that he doesn't like flying. Yeah. He has to drive or be. He has to drive everywhere. So big up to KRS, man, my father in music, and big up to his wife, Simone, man. They're cool people's respect. Because I got to, he came out here for a show one time, and, uh, you know, I got to open up and, like, be there at the show and open up with some artists for them and everything, and it was bananas. Yeah. And Nobody a show like him, yo. Like, oh, man, like, literally, he's animated. Yeah, like yeah. he's like in your face. He's yelling at you. Anything goes wrong, he cussing you out. <laughs> like, if you if he gives you the mic, you don't spit his verse properly. He'll yell at you. Like I love it. It's just like he's because guys like him are a rugged man and all that. When they do shows, I'm happy because right. they're just like like they're just cussing the DJ out, cussing this right. out, cussing that out. They like I've seen like, him perform so many times and. It's just, <laughs> Never want to underperform ever, yo. He want to kill everything. Oh, man. Like, wet the crowd out. Like, I, I feel sorry for anybody that have to go on after KRS to this day. <laughs> he is a crowd murderer. He's like, making sure that from front to back, everybody is tired when he's done. Oh, man. I was, thinking, I was laughing the other day because I remember that one time when Jay-Z did his interview. He was just like, yo, when DMX went out, he took his shirt off. Right. And he had the whole crowd wilding out there. I'm like, what am I supposed to do after that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like energy, different type of connection, man. You know, it's like, because like everybody always talks about certain artists in the game that, like, okay, for example, you've been on tour. Yeah. And have you ever gotten to a situation where you're on tour and then uh, somebody is like in comp competition with you like to do a better show to you that like one night they'll follow what you guys do and then the next time you guys are like nah we're gonna do this better and then you do something completely opposite and then it just keeps like like it keeps kind of like a competition on road because uh, it's oh, fun yo but like have you ever outshined like the headliners that you've been rolling with i mean from my perspective from what i remember yeah i mean we actually we did a reggae sunsplash tour one year and this was right when Kids From Foreign album was coming out. And on that tour, you had Barris Hammond, you had Capleton, you had Maxi Priest for some dates, Nadine Sutherland, Terra Fabulous. It was all these artists on that tour. And 
I don't know how to label Finangle it or the booking agent or whatever, but we were performing right at right after Capleton before Barris, who was the headliner. No, actually, no. We just, when we started, we were coming on early in the show because when you first start on tour, you have to be one of the opening acts. So we was opening the show, but people started complaining to the Sunsplash promoters that they came to see Born Americans and they missing their show. So when they wrote the, the promoters and they wrote the label and they started complaining. So the Sunsplash people, loving how we were opening up, decided to put us right after Capleton before Barris Hammond. I don't know if it was by our design to flop us or they really rated us like that. But we was going on before Barris and murdering, murdering the last couple shows. <laughs> Next thing I know, we get the call from the record company. Uh, guys, uh... They're putting you off the tour. <laughs> they don't want you on the tour. And we're like, who is they? They didn't want to tell us which artists or who signed off on us being removed from the tour. But we was like, all right. But then after that, the Sunsplash people called us and said, hey, guys, it wasn't nothing personal. We had to make a business decision. You know, one of the artists was grumbling about your time slot, sponsors, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You guys did such a great job and you have a great attitude. We're taking you on the Sunsplash tour in Japan. You guys are going to perform in front of 30,000 people every night. Buju Bantan, Shinehead, Max Grease. Nice. And so, yeah, so we, I felt that all the time. And our first tour was with Shaba Rankin and... If you don't learn something from Shabo Hunter, <laughs> something wrong with you. Like this man, tenacity, this man, this man, just raw energy that he put out on. Sometimes on some of those dates on the Shabo Rank, we'd be in somewhere in Minnesota. It's snowing and it's only like 30 white people in the audience. And Shaba is performing like he's on Sting battling Ninjaman with 30 people in the crowd. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, that's the one thing I like. Giving it his all. <laughs> See, Shaba, he came here and he did a he did a show here. Right. And I saw him in Toronto. The uh -huh. Toronto show was interesting because when I was in the room, that was the first time like I was young, so it was like yeah. the first time I was in a room where Shaba said Dumbo. Yeah. All of a sudden you hear pow, pow in the building. I'm like, what the <laughs> I'm like now my dad's looking at me, I'm like, is like I'm like, is this really going in right now? Gunshots in the building, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Welcome and then and then I was in like I was then the one I went to it here, here was interesting because Shaba shows up on stage, a bunch of my brothers were performing like you know Hardish Posse and all that back, and they killed the crowd. One of them came up, did this one um, thing where they brought the girl up on stage and she just melted. They sang to her, she just like fainted. A whole like thing went down. Shaba jumps up on stage and I'm like, hmm, what's Shaba gonna do? And all of a sudden, as soon as Shaba walks up on stage. Ain't no music playing. Ain't no none. He's just like, promoter, come bring me my money right now. If you don't get me money, we're not going on stage. And I'm just like, what the? And then he's like, you know the crowd want me to perform. So if you don't get my money, it's like, the guy had to come and bring him his paper. And then after he's like, call the money. All right. And then he just went off. You know, <laughs> And uh, you know it's just like and Shaba put on a show. When I say he put That's on a show, emperor, like he, like everything from telephone love to the to the slow wine to everything that he was doing, like that guy had energy. Right. And that's the one thing you gotta understand about Shaba is like all his songs were energy. Like Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? And every song was a hit. 
Absolutely. So when you had everybody performing at the shows and all stuff, he goes from telephone love to uh, tingalingaling to like whatever, like it. It was just Mr. Loverman. Like everything that he did was a grace. Yeah. And to even be touring with a with Shaba, like our you, first tour. If you never tour. learned anything from that and that energy and how to be graceful on stage like that, like I don't know what you're trying to do as a reggae artist back then. Absolutely, man. Because every artist that I've seen come from that era has followed Shabba's pattern. Absolutely. And it's it's just unfortunate that we're living in an age and a time now where people trying to rewrite history and say that he's not one of the greatest DJs that ever did it. But no. Yeah, but, you know, it is what it is, man. The new generation got to stake their claim and make their... Make, yeah, but he was one of the first ones to win commercialized worldwide. Like you can't complain. He like next to Bob Marley. You can't. Com- you can't compare. Like, you can't, you can't, that is what that is. MC Hammer, like, MC Hammer to the world was Shaba to us in the, in the Caribbean world because he did the same shit. Like, right. but in reggae, like you saw Shaba come out. Shaba set trends, major damage clothing, all that different stuff, cross colors, like all that like, things. Like every time you saw guys dressed up and stuff like that, it was either come out of one of those videos or that look. How they, how they say it? They have a saying. I don't know if they have it in Canada, but they say it here. He got it out the mud. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> gave Shaba Rankin his stardom. He fought and and earned it. Song by song, show by show, hustle after hustle, you know. Big up to his team that what he was behind him, man. What was one of your best experience hanging with the on tour? Like, like just uh, like a crazy wild out experience, like, you know. Like- wild out experience. I think, I think it wasn't like interactions with him because we, 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 we small talked from here and there, but he had a different bus. We, was, we were actually on the bus with Patra and her dancers. Go figure. Our first tour. <laughs> We on a tour bus with Patcha and her dancers. I'm gonna leave that there. But um, <laughs> but uh, with just the interactions with Shaba, just him, him showing, him showing interest and appreciation for the talent that he was seeing in us. Because I'm pretty sure he saw us from a label perspective because we were added on the tour through management and through right. you know, the relationship with them. So when we came on. I didn't even know that he was peeping us to see our show because we would go on earlier. We and the Rough Cut band, the band that backs all the dancehall artists on the sh- stage shows in Jamaica, was our touring band. So, you know, him us opening. But one day he came and he was like, "Yo, he went to not." He used to call both of us Jami. Yo, yo, Jami. <laughs> love all on the work the stage. I'm a loving on the chemistry. I don't know if you keep up the good work, man. You know, when I do it, just to hear that. That feedback from him, I mean, him acknowledge what we're doing as artists, man, that was the greatest, man. I went I went from one year looking at Shabba Rankin album covers in my mother's basement to the following year before with him, yeah. performing with him. That that was surreal. I'll never forget those experiences. Who's who's one of the biggest artists you've ever toured with? Um probably doing shows with. I would probably say the Sunsplash Japan tour because you had That was it, yeah. Buju, you had Maxi Priest, you had Shinehead, you had Big Mountain, and these were all mega huge. Yep, at that time, yeah, you guys are like the biggest thing. Shinehead was blowing up crazy. I remember um, in 90, it probably was 97, we did a big radio show in San Diego for the, for the FM pop station in San Diego. And on that show, you had, we met Missy Elliott and Timberland. They were on that show. Uh, 
Matthew Knowles came to our room to have a sick a picture with his with his group that he was managing that which was Destiny's Child. So <laughs> Matthew Knowles comes and knocks on the room door like, "Hey, my daughters want to take a guy. My daughter's into reggae and she she loves you guys." And we like, "Okay, who's your daughters?" And at the time, that's that was when Destiny Child had their first song out and it was just playing on the radio. And in comes Destiny Child, and I'm like, yeah. Me knowing and looking at videos and music all the time, I knew who they were, and I introduced myself. And we were like, yo, how old are you guys? And they was like, nah, we can't tell you our age. It was like, yeah, they media trained. But just meeting them and meeting Beyonce, that was one of the things. Bone Thugs and Harmony was on that show. Holy Pop, big artists at the time. So we kind of spanned the gamut as far as interaction. I can remember being at a club um kingston 12 in jamaica and we there chilling and the promoter comes and says hey man janet jackson want to meet you guys and i'm looking at him like man, yeah, stop, stop, stop <laughs> one more champagne man sure and he says no come here and he comes over there and it's a girl with her cap all the way down like this so then she raises the cap and she's like hey nice to meet you i love you guys music it's fucking janet jackson <laughs> i'm like oh shit so we did small talking and she was just like a normal, she was in the club, her dancers is dancing around doing everything. And I'm just like, yo, I can't believe I'm standing beside Michael Jackson's sister right now. This is, this is nuts. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of stories like that, man. Nice. So like, do you ever like be out in the store in the mall with your child or somewhere and then somebody just comes running up on you? All the time. That happens to me a lot, man. Yo, I'm such a normal person in my regular life, man. Like music business and fame, I feel very, very much detached from it because I guess being independent now and not being on that major scale where I'm touring and out there and in front of people all the time. But people, there's, there's, like I said, there's a sect of people that appreciate what I'm doing and see what I'm doing and, and love the music and love the group so much they can like, before I even came online, I'm, I'm online setting up some stuff, some promotions for my video, and I see a message come, because I have a Born Jamaicans fan page on Instagram, um, Born Jamaicans underscore Edley Shine. So all my old tour stuff, pictures and stuff, I post there just for the fans that still appreciate the group. I'm not looking no cloud off of it or nothing like that. It's just for the people, and it's a lot of people from South America, Colombia, and this big artist from Brazil just text me sent me a dm of him listening to one of our songs in his car and i'm looking at it and i see that the person is verified and when i looked at their profile i seen this dude is super super lit and i'm like yo this is crazy yo this who is this dude and he's like yo i grew up on your music i love you guys and i want to work with you and i'm just like yo this is and this dude is like I don't know if people know him but his statistics statistically from what i'm seeing he lit like he he's doing his thing wherever he's at in brazil so you know what i mean and that's like that's where a lot of people don't look at is that worldwide you never know who's gonna turn around and say yo absolutely this and go back to because there's my kids listen to a lot of old school and a lot of the stuff that i've grown up on and everything right. and it's funny at times like my son sat here the other day and goes mom's been listening to reggae a lot more lately dad I'm like, mom, so she ain't listening to the type of reggae that I know she would listen. Like, he's just like, no, all that old school reggae that I played one of your songs. You gave me this look. <laughs> and then I was just like, <laughs> I started laughing because, yeah. like, it's fun for me now because talking to you and um, I've been around guys like Ying Yang Twins and like all these different people lately right. that are back. 
And I remember back in the days, like when all these artists, when all you guys came out, that's when the party scene was heavy. Like, you know, and then everybody was going out to all the twerk music and all the like. So you had the hype up hip hop reggae and then you had the 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 twerk music and then you had the self stuff coming in where whistle while you twerk, all that stuff started to kick in. And then you had like, you know, AMG and everybody, everybody had like a different style. L.A. Everyone had different types of things. But in Canada, everyone sucked it all in. So you would like hear everything being played all in the masses. Oh, man. I mean, not like and that's where I learned over the years when I went to New York and Brooklyn and all that mm-hmm. and Philly, you were out there and you're like, if you ain't listening to Philly music, there's a problem. If you right. ain't in the Bronx and you're listening to South Bronx, it's like, you gotta like, and I, over the years I learned that like where you at, you gotta watch what you play. Where right. you hear, you gotta watch what you're listening to, especially in Toronto was like that too. Yeah. And a lot of people never got to understand, experience that. Like, did you ever walk into an area where you're performing and then there's like, people who wanted to see the other person more than you and get mad that you guys were even performing. Our first time performing in Jamaica on, I think it was, uh, it was international night for reggae Sunfest. I'm walking on the stage and, uh, and, and, uh, I don't know if he was a police inspector, Budman, but he stops me and he was like, he lifts up his shirt and you can see the gun in his waist and he holds the gun and says, member say, I'll draw me a And I'm like, <laughs> What the fuck do we mean? <laughs> and when we got up, when we got up on stage, Jamaica. Remember, our songs wasn't playing in Jamaica, so we had right. went over the crowd with the with the Jamaican style of "Hear that one, yeah, everything." And I'm just like, yo, I already know this Jamaican crowd is not gonna feel us because you got Bouncy Killer, you got Beanie Man, you got all the hot niggas that who music is blaring through the sounds and on the radio every day. So I knew we didn't have a chance in hell of getting a forward that night. And they listen to us for like maybe five minutes, couple songs, and then you start seeing this because they want you to come off the stage right. so the artists can come on. You see, and that's another thing that people, yeah. that, these new artists these days do not experience. They don't. I remember going, like, there's times when rappers just showed up and I'm sitting there in the room and then the guy goes up on stage and then all of a sudden there's people who like the other rapper that he's in beef with. Right. <laughs> so they start throwing things. I'm like, why you go to a show Go hate on the dude of the other rapper that you don't like. So you paid to go hate on this dude. <laughs> you paid. <laughs> your op. I don't know, man. It's a different generation, and they just their mentality is different. And then you got this whole gang culture that's intertwined with, especially in hip hop right now. I don't understand. And it's just like, are you a rapper or you a gangbanger? And the labels, they're like, oh, you beefing with this guy. This guy is hot. So make sure you diss him and make sure. Every incident that you have, you film it so we can put it on your YouTube page to get more likes, get more clicks, and get more streams. And then when they die, they just throw up a RIP and put out whatever recording they have left and make money off of them. Speaking of which, I'm on a, I just got the new Pop Smoke album again. Right. And I'm sitting here just like, how many tracks did this dude record? Remember, they, they were recording everywhere you go. Him and I wasn't speaking on him in particularly because he just got killed by some some dudes that some little. That's what I'm saying, but he's Ooh. got music for days, like still to this day. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like I, I, now, I just hope the money that they generating, the majority of it is going to his family. And if he had, oh facts, and rest in peace to him, man. But I I, I hope. 
I hope it get played out. I hope the gang culture and hip-hop, even though hip-hop came from gang culture, so I don't know how it's going to get played out. But See, the but, labels are using it right now, I hope that dies. But out. when it came into the thing, it was a way for gang culture to get away from the bullshit. Right. And then that's why hip hop became to the point where breakdancing, graffiti, tagging, graffiti turned into an art. Everything right. turned into a whole different movie. So now everything is so influenced because a lot of these kids are watching the old movies and shows and stuff that we grew up on. Right. And taking the wrong sides of things out of it. Like when we were watching this stuff, it was just like your mom and dad are sitting over you going, you see that? You see, <laughs> you see what happened? See him. See how him shoot him and, and they fall off the thing. I'm like, yeah, that, that's juice. Yeah, like thing. You see him off to be a DJ. And I'm just like, I'm like, damn. Like it's just like, and a lot of things were scaring you. It's just like your friend shows up in a car. The first thing your parents want to know if he owns the car, if he has his license, because in New Jersey drive. Like you know what I'm saying? Like these kids, man, they grew up on they grew up on Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto. And to me, it seems like these kids not afraid to go to prison. They're not afraid to take your life, and they're not afraid to go to prison. Besides the little one where, where make sure it's uh, everybody else go to prison and he don't go to prison. Besides him, everybody else look like they will just do the crime and do the time. And it's unfortunate, man. There's too much talented people I'm seeing passing away. But that's the point. There's a lot of people who are causing so much problems in the industry that are not even talented. Right. They don't even write their own lyrics. They're just gimmicks to just put out there for people just to go play with. The lyrics that they're getting spit is lyrics for them to just go and put out like nonsense into the world. Right about that. I'm going to speak on certain things, but I watch, uh, that's why I stopped watching the award shows. I stopped watching everything. Like, I just literally don't even pay attention to the news anymore. Because <laughs> I got my brain is so wrapped up in like what I want to do to change things right. instead of me being adapted to what's actually going on. Absolutely. So, People are sitting there spending some time just following the norm and just like, I'm going to put up music to please these people. I'm like, for what? I go, I'm going to put up music to please whoever wants to listen to it. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to do, like one day we were sitting there listening to a whole bunch of songs and that's why I had to repost that thing on T-Pain. Yeah. Dude, I was sitting here with a homeboy and like, we're going through music and I'm like getting a headache because 15 songs in, they all sound the same. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? And then, like, they were sitting here, and I'm like, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fire, that's fire. And I'm pumping music into a folder for them, and da da da. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh shit, new Nas? And, and they're like, wow, the way you got excited over that, that's like, I'm like, what do you mean? I go, that's music. What is this? Like, like I'm sitting here, and it's just like, okay, I'm going to show you guys something. And I clicked each song. And every song I clicked from each part in the middle was head, head, in my face. <laughs> like something, everything was all laid down. I need a girl who's give good brain. I need this who does this. I need this who does that. And then your brain after a while starts to click in your head and is like, how, like, don't you guys got anything else to talk about? But then you got to understand the age difference of these children who are doing music now. That's all they know. They haven't done anything yet. Right. They haven't toured the world. They haven't really traveled. They haven't like really done anything for them to really talk about. Right. Because really, what are you going to talk about from the time that you were born until you're 20 years old? What really have you done that was like like that nobody else has done in those age times that you could really talk about? And then most of these guys are talking about that thug life. 
right. I'm sitting there listening to guys going, oh, I'm I'm trapping. I'm like, what are you trapping? I'm like, I'm sitting here on two pounds of weed. I'm like, I smoked that. Right. Like, rappers like us sit, sit around with that for jokes. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you're talking that talk, it's just like, yo, I got a kilo of weed in the back room. Or, here's my grow up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Tell me something different like you're not even investing your money into the right things you're just like sitting there doing this you're paying people to be celebrities and hang out with them you're you're paying celebrities to do stuff on your music and it's not going anywhere the celebrities are even promoting the music behind you like i don't understand the industry now like it's it's got so saturated and weird that i'm glad that guys like us like picked our own lane and built our own networks but it's just like and now we have the freedom to do these things. So I remember when we used to do interviews before, it was on a call radio. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I still don't mind doing it on, like, now we can do it live on the radio stations, but it was on a phone. Wow. It was like, Edley, play your, we're going to play your track. Or maybe something at the beginning, you have to play your own song. Right. You know? <laughs> like, Thank God for technology, man. It's, it's a blessing. <laughs> Definitely a curse. Yep. That's all I can say. But big up to the new generation, man. We ain't we ain't knocking nobody for what they do. If you feeding your family and 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 you're able to make a living, but just just take the positive route. And if it gets you out the hood, move away from your hood, move away from your environment, go away. You know, go take a trip and go overseas. Go to the UK and go to you know the the United Arabs and all these places and go to the Caribbean and see a different side of life. Trust me. Your trap is only a little little dot on the map of the world, and and your music will go way further than where your mind is even at if you win the trap. So, oh, facts. Like, if, like I've known certain guys that once you step out of your, like if you're a big fish in a small pond, right? Go to a bigger bigger pond to go see what you could do and fly around in there. Like certain people don't understand how to do that or go somewhere else and command that presence. And I like, can honestly say I lived to to be to not be hot in my hometown but get on a plane for 10 hours and land somewhere and be the hottest thing in that country and on that note i want to leave that there so <laughs> go figure thank you and no uh, respect, man. thanks for the reasoning man big up to everybody that's on the live that's on the stream that watch big up to everybody that going to tune in afterwards and take it in we dropped a lot of gems big up to dj this